yeah, it got my mullet just perfect. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes! The Imperial Schools of Honor podcast. I am Josh Folin, and we are doing an Order of Erdrick interview here. So I'm here with Cesar Flori, and Cesar was a gameplay counselor at Nintendo during NES's heyday, and was one of the four featured counselors profiled in the 1991 uh, January 1991 issue in the Counselor's Corner installment. And we are going to start with discussing exactly what that experience was like, and kind of see where the conversation takes us. So. The first question I have for you here, Caesar. What is the biggest baseball star's ass whipping you ever doled out at Nintendo headquarters? Who was it administered to, and how badly oh. was said ass beaten? <laughs> Holy mackerel, man! That's a tough question. Um, I, I well, see. The thing is, I trained with the best. My fr- friend of this day and desk mate, Greg Louder, and I played baseball stars literally every day. And okay. uh, we had a special thing. It was sort of a, uh, uh, it's called an extendo cable, I believe, at the time. Um, so we could have two controllers going into one NES. And we had a sort of a, you know, it was a, illegal in the call center, I believe. But we had a splitter so we could see the game on two TVs. Okay. And we would play baseball stars at nauseam. I don't know who I whipped the most at <laughs> ever. But I, I promise you that um, the, the skills were pretty high on that game. And uh I know that definitely got to double digits over many a person during those days. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, you know, we, uh, you know, we're going through like the way this podcast works is we're going through every issue of Nintendo Power, Sega Visions and Game Pro in newsstand order. So we began at, you know, with the Nintendo Fun Club newses back in 86. 80- Six or seven wow. uh, when they first started and we've worked our, our way all the way up to where we're at now in the timeline. So we've seen a lot of these counselor profiles and I can tell you right now that your profile hit harder than most profiles, <laughs> if not every profile we've seen to date. And that's part of why uh, I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, you know, we, I haven't spoken to any other counselors before, so uh, that's what kind of why I'm psyched. was so excited about about getting you to agree to this. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. but yeah, we, we love the, uh, yeah, I don't know, the, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, I like to play baseball starts. It's like, I like to whoop the asses of the experts <laughs> in video games of this kind. That's how I play it. I don't just play the game. <laughs> yeah, no, it, was, it was far from just a, a casual pastime for me and during, during that time of my life, so, so trust me. And by the way, good on you. I was an original subscriber to those newsletters when I was a kid, so I, awesome. I knew those well, and that set the tone for me uh, when the opportunity arose to work there part-time after school as a counselor so okay well that's that's, yeah that's exactly what i want to turn to to get into your origin story for this so yeah by all means kind of you know how did so you saw how well you know just instead of trying to prompt you just how did you get the job and and how did you know how did that opportunity present itself how did you engage it and i mean so this was an after school thing in high school yeah Yep. Um, okay. It's interesting. Um, even to this day, and back then, I still consider myself a musician first and wanted to be a pop star. You know, still doing that today with my music, which is funny, but uh, haven't received uh, achieved the, those lofty goals there yet. But tough, man. Artistry is tough. It, it, is, it, it is tough. Hey, I'm not giving up yet. I still got time. Um, but, the, uh, but no, basically, it's funny. I was also wanting to buy music equipment. So I was working part time at a silk screening shop with, with a friend of mine from high school. On the way home one day, I tripped and broke my wrist. And so all I could really do is I couldn't play guitar, didn't, couldn't do anything outside, you know, sports and stuff sucked. So I just sat inside and played Nintendo a bunch. And, you know, and then my, my sister actually told me, you know, they hire people to counsel uh, customers on the phone at Nintendo. And, you know, maybe you should go do that instead of working at the silk screening shop. How would she know? Son, how would she know that? How how well, How is that? She actually got a job there and worked there for a little while herself. Oh, okay. Um. And she was uh, a family business. Family business. Um, and so I said, "Well, why not?" And so I, I went and applied for you know that is a temporary job at the time when I started, 
they give you a little quiz, you know, like, you know, what do you find in the, you know, the, you know, various dungeons in Zelda and, you know, and, you know, what's some of the cheat codes for the games just to see if you actually know your stuff at the time. Um, you know, so I got through and went into training, which was, which was interesting and eventually got into the phones, but that's a whole story in and of itself. <laughs> okay. So, so you're what age when you're starting the process? I was 16, almost, 16. I was just, I was going to, I was going to turn 17 the next month. So I started in uh, September 89. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's right. Okay. That's, 17. that's wild that they were bringing high school kids in. I mean, you know, it certainly makes sense from like the interest level, uh, interest uh, perspective, but uh, it's wild that they were, you know, just dropping you guys on the phone. Yeah. I mean, you said you said it's a process. Is were you on the phones before you were eighteen? Oh yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I was on. I had my first. They call it like the. You know, it's one of the schedules for these ten-hour Saturdays. Do taking calls, and I just finished training, and my first day on the phones was one of these ten-hour Saturdays. You know, and <laughs> talk about terrifying. You know, uh, <laughs> you know there wasn't nearly as many games as there are now, but you know the the, the questions for you never knew it was going to come in. Now, eventually, you just kind of know all the answers. It just kind of happens after you take enough calls. Sure. But at the time, you know, I had my own notes, my own binder that I'd created from training and notes I'd taken. And they had some, you know, sort of hodgepodge, you know, binders in some of the desks that were incomplete or or missing, you know. And so my first day, I, I really felt bad for all the other counselors who were more vet- more senior than me because I had to transfer so many calls that day to other people. Who said, "Hey, let me uh, let me transfer you to the expert on that game because I haven't played that one yet." And then, boy, that was a that was Push a rough up day. Someone else. Okay, so yeah, so <laughs> that. That's amazing. So you built your own binder because that, that's the thing. Like you know, I, I've you know, we I've seen some of the pictures. I've read some other interviews with gameplay counselors, and there's been mention of you know those kind of binders populated in the office that you guys would work from. But that's so interesting. Interesting to hear that you, in training, built your own. And was that something oh. that you continued to build on and build out as you as you worked there? Yeah, yeah. Everybody did. I mean, that's that was our you know initial uh, survival manual essentially. Um, you know, we take notes in training. We would, you know, we would share other, you know, notes that we've used the copy machine for from other counselors to help each other out so we can quickly get to answers on games that we maybe hadn't uh, played at, at, at the same depth as others. So, yeah, hey, we all had our, our own. Your own personal one. Caesar, did you, have, you, yeah. have you saved that? Do you still have that? <laughs> I, I do. I oh do. My it's, it's, God. In, it's, it's in the garage right now with a bunch of. You know, I would stick like memorandums back when we didn't have email at our desks. You know, this is 1989, you know, so we'd get like paper memorandums and little handouts and stuff like that. And covered in stickers and stuff. I got got bad news, buddy. I'm going to bug the shit out of you to see as much of that as you are willing to take the time to show me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I kind of realized, I only realized that like more more recently like what a time capsule that actually is oh so God, yeah I'd be, yes. I'd be happy to share that oh that would be amazing yes no you know we got a we got a decent little following and uh you know this is i mean as this interview probably suggests i am incredibly minded towards the history of this stuff and yeah the you know the the in, like internal sega's actually I, I see more of this stuff on the internet from sega there's a lot of like i don't know kind of they were they were really good seemingly about this customer engagement and like there's all these letters and stuff you see people got like they would actually do a lot of written and maybe Nintendo did this too I just not as familiar with it but Sega would do a lot of written correspondence for gameplay tips and 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 stuff too so there's all these letters out there of like these hand not handwritten but hand typed you know they're like personalized letters to kids with tips on how to get through certain parts of games and stuff and yeah that I mean that kind of I don't know those relics are fascinating to see for sure so yeah by all means yeah I'll I'll, I'll We'll discuss that later. <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. Okay, so what oh so you know you're you're building out your book, you're starting there. What and you kind of mentioned it, you know, there I'm sure your first day you weren't familiar with this, but each game probably I would assume would kind of have their expert or their person that was the go-to once you got to know the office and your coworkers. What was the game, if any, that you became that for? Boy, um definitely Contra. Okay. Be, uh, baseball stars, obviously. Not like it really needed that much counseling. Um, I don't remember much of the detail now, but Mega Man series, all those games, Castlevania series. Um, I wasn't sure if I was known for it. I loved Faxanadu um, at the time. You know, everybody I loved uh, Dragon Warrior. 
Um, so, I mean, but I mean, we all, everybody, there's nothing super special about me compared to the other counselors. I mean, okay. we all had sort of our, our specialties. I had the games that I loved the most uh, and played the most and was passionate about, you know, the entire Super Mario series, et cetera. Um, all the Zeldas, you know, so on and so forth. You know, I think uh, the, I could tell you which one that I, I <laughs> okay, I tell you what, if, if anybody ever called up and said, I'm playing Legacy of the Wizard, I tell you what, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I want to say, I can't remember who it was on the team. There was at least one or two people who, who knew that game well and, you know, and good on them for knowing it, but that was a tough one. That one in, in the Goonies 2, um, just because, <laughs> Just because the Goonies too, every every area looked the same, so they would yeah. say like, "Oh, hey, I'm stuck in this area with red bricks." Like, okay, that that's kind of like could be anything, right? <laughs> so, right yeah. So so it's impossible. And yeah, and Goonies too was a good idea, you know, that kind of uh, shadow gatey interface, but yeah, it was not built out very well at all yet, or they hadn't figured out how to put that in the NES at least. So I, I hear that. Yeah. So okay, so on a given workday, you know, what was. One was there only one office? Like, did this only happen in one place? These this call center. There was only yeah. one work site, right? Okay. What would it? You know, I'm sure Saturdays are probably a little more heavy volume than a Tuesday or whatever. But what would be an average? What? How many? How many uh, guys or people are working the phone on a, on a given? You know, um, average shift. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, we had there's two kind of multiple flavors of of folks. You had gameplay counselors. You had customer service people, and you had the correspondence department. Some people are cross-trained. I became that after a while between customer service and gameplay counselors. But I would say, depending on the shift of the day, you know, uh, 20 to 100, I guess. It's really tough for me to – I'm picturing the office space and how crowded it was at different times. But, you know, the the, the weird shifts, like they were super early morning and super late at night was a thinner crew. So sure. you know, I would say it probably got no less than – 20 people maybe i'm sure someone will correct me and sure <laughs> when it, when uh when it's we're at full staff and the whole floor is full probably 100 people so it was a, a, a nice big room so you didn't have your own cubicle they you know you just get popped into a cubicle on a shift you you didn't have your own like workstation that was well yours. after a while you know you you ascend to the lofty place where you you want you don't have a floating desk and you do have oh okay desk, nice you know, nice and, nice uh, and so, uh, so that that felt good. So you can lock your your stuff up in the in the desk in the cabinet up top, so you didn't have to haul it in every day. That's um, amazing. So, so, so that that was super cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So, I know it was a long time ago, but do you have any, uh, you know, a favorite uh, call in that you might recall having to work through with someone or having to bring in others to help you, and it was kind of like a cool tag team job like do you have any good tried and true canned call-in stories from uh, from your time there boy. wow you know i mean the most rewarding ones i think truly were i mean i'm trying to think if there's one because i mean you, there was a lot of special moments you know sometimes uh especially during the week you get the adults when the kids are at school and you get adults calling in <laughs> you know and and that like these you know whether it's a you know, uh, like an older person or somebody who's a stay-at-home parent or something like that, uh, you know, they would call because they're bored, you know, and those are interesting conversations because at the time it's like, you know, video games were new and, you know, they're just very sweet, I guess. So th th those are the calls that I enjoyed helping these people that were just trying to, you know, check out these video games and wanting to learn a little more about them and probably connect with their kids and stuff like that. Those were those so, were cool. So you're saying calling in not necessarily, or not not necessarily, but not at all looking for actual gameplay tips, just literally looking to talk about video games? <laughs> oh, no, uh, not, well, it kind of. I mean, they would call with a question. <laughs> okay. But, 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 you know, after a while, it kind of evolved and they just kind of wanted to talk and we weren't really there to do that. So I tried to keep, <laughs> and I didn't want to get in trouble. So you kind of steer it back, but Sometimes that was the case, you know, so you know, th those calls were, were sweet, you know, I mean, the, the ones you remember, unfortunately, are the are the ones that people act all crazy and they call up and they say weird or terrible things, you know, but th those 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 were not the fun ones. But sadly, those are the ones that were so shocking that I remember them probably more. <laughs> Well, by all means, tell me. I'll listen to one of those stories, too. <laughs> oh, I don't even know, man. Just like, you know, just people. I mean, the probably the, the cleanest one would be like people would call up and they would say, "I'm having a problem." Oh, we don't have to be clean on here, man. I say fuck oh, okay. all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, well, 
is not a this is definitely not a children's show. <laughs> the, the tamest one is uh, you know, somebody said they put a it was said, Oh my it's my, my 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 Nintendo isn't working, but of course we're not allowed to say uh, your Nintendo. We're supposed to say you mean your Nintendo entertainment system because Nintendo's the brand, the NES is the product. There's a weird legal thing about uh, trademarking that went on. That's a side story, but Anyway, someone say, well, you know, I don't know. I just stuck my peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there and it just, you know, messed it all up and stuff like that, you know. Um, you know, other people talking about having uh, intimate relations with their, with, with their <laughs> NES, which caused yeah. it to uh, uh, need to be cleaned, you know. So, you know, just really weird stuff like that. Crazy stuff. Yeah, when there's no gatekeeping and just a number to call, man, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It is wild. And that is, you know, I remember we certainly called a handful of times uh, when I was a kid. Not a ton because it was long distance and my dad was uh, militant mm -hmm. about the long distance phone bill. But we would we still would do it sometimes. And, you know, I, I, I wish I could. Re I don't remember the process all too clearly. Was it just I mean, did you just get routed? Literally, they call in, you know, they call the number yeah. and then just one of you guys would pick up. Is that there was no intermediate? Yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah, they'd call in, and then we had this reader board that would show how many people were in queue, you know, how many people were sitting in idle at their desk on their phone, meaning they couldn't take a call, et cetera, et cetera. So we could sort of see the volume of things coming through. And then the, there's a little light on our phone that would change from either be green if, if we were just available or if there was just a, uh, you know, just a light number of calls, they'll get to yellow and red to let you know the urgency of trying to get through your calls to help get the call number down. But yeah, okay. it was just routed to the next available person, I believe. Do you recall your, I'm sure you guys had, uh, and I, I mean, I'm, you modify it over time, I'm sure. Uh, although Nintendo uh, also kind of militant in their, <laughs> in their brand control. So maybe they were, uh, they policed it a little harder than, than I'm assuming here. But do you recall at least the starter patter that they gave you for for beginning a phone call yeah yes it's like you know uh said uh, uh yeah nintendo gameplay this is caesar how can i help you today you know, that, that was that was basically okay something uh, okay uh, I, I was wondering, yeah, because you know it's such a they they do such a it's such a cool thing they do with the magazine like the agent numbers and stuff. I thought perhaps there was oh. <laughs> you know, they, no yeah. no special treatment. But I tell you what, after taking calls for I was on the phones for a couple of years, and uh, even after that, my my telephone etiquette you know was was pretty immaculate, and I think it keeps <laughs> up to today. And I would actually. I felt bad. Some of my friends would call, and I, when I felt like the call was getting to the end, much like when I wanted to end a call with a with a customer who was maybe difficult to deal with, I would say, "Okay, is there anything else I can help you with today?" You know, I'd say yeah. that, and so I would say that with my friends when I thought <laughs> push them off. Yeah, dude, yeah, dude, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, that that's incredible life skill to get. I mean, I uh, my back, I went to school for finance, and. Um, some of the internships I had in college had cold calling components to them, as you you would probably expect in the finance realm. And oh my God, was that just the you know even and, and you're talking there I'm what twenty twenty one twenty two in, in in those cases like the <laughs> I don't know just fear of uh, now as a, a forty two year old adult that has had to do plenty of phone jockeying over my life uh, mm. and no it's no big deal. But when you're yeah, when you're that young, like calling someone unseen and asking anything uh, of them or just trying to whatever, it's terrifying. So uh, it's an incredible life skill to be taught that at sixteen to, you know, understand that a phone call is meaningless. <laughs> you, know, you know, and and uh, just to have uh, the the conversation skills to navigate them quickly, get off of them, uh, and get what you want out of one is a uh, is a great um, life skill to learn that young. Yeah, it was interesting. They, they, they definitely trained as well, and they would we'd go out and we would sort of listen in with other people taking calls that were you know had done it for a while, and then when you first go on the phones, you know they sit in with you and listen to you and give you a little coach some coaching after the call as well. So you know, but after after a while though, I think just to just to kind of close on that, it's like. You know, like I said, after you've taken thousands and thousands of calls on a, at the time, a relatively small number of games, after a while, it really boils down to just a, what felt like a handful of questions that would come in. So it was really just became autopilot. So I literally every day, I went through phases. You know, one was to beat Contra every day. Another one was to beat Super Mario Brothers 3 every day. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, I, as, as like a starting of my day, I couldn't start the day until I did it. So it's like blast who beat that game, beat this game, you know, or, or play baseball stars with Greg as much as possible. That's a, what a, what an incredible job to have at 16. My first job, I was bagging groceries uh, at 14, actually. I got into this wow. program my freshman year of high school uh, that allowed me to work half the day and, and go to school for the first half of it. And, I mean, clearly just not even close, man. My dad would come early. <laughs> You know, I, I grew up in Ohio, so mm. winter there, you know. And my dad would come early to pick me up from work so he could watch me struggle to push. The last thing you had to do was push the oh. carts in <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> on, on an icy parking lot. He would come early to watch me have to do that uh, just as a demonstration of how not as cool my first job was. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, mean, I totally understand. And I was, I was uh, stacking hot, freshly pressed T-shirts off a of, <laughs> steaming hot, uh, you know, conveyor belt and loading them into boxes and loading boxes into a van and driving it to Seattle and unloading it and going back and forth over and over again. That's what I did for the summer First before job. I started. <laughs> yeah. Big change for sure. So, okay. So you started at 16. Uh, how long were you there? Well, I, I was in, I was at Nintendo until 1990, uh, till 1997. So, oh, um, so I, I went, uh, I got, under the Elmo team, maybe you might have heard about that. That was our computer. At some point in those couple of years, they rolled out a computer. They gave us real computers at our desks, not just the Nintendo Power and Customer Service Terminal, which was the AS400. Uh, but when we got the Elmo stuff, I wanted, I like to write and I like to, you know, I had love big maps and, you know, tips and stuff. So I got under the Elmo team. So I got off the phones a few hours a day to write quick guides for games. Oh, um, and so I did that for a while, but then ultimately, and then this, you know, if we could talk about this at whatever you want to, but my big transition to got, it really got me to where I am today is getting into product testing in the engineering department. Okay. And I mean, no, by all means. So, so the, you were on the phones till about yeah. when would you say? I was on the phones until like, I think June or July of 91, 91. Okay. So not long after, it. not long after this this issue, then not okay. too long, yeah. So it's like two, like like yeah, two two years. Well, the thing is, is the, what I what happened was when I was in gameplay counselor training, they needed some people to come and do um, basically testing, some product evaluation work in a separate building, you know, uh, that was uh, just you know, a block away, and so they just I have to be the right right place at the right time. So I, me and a couple of the other counselors went over there and we just went and kind of play tested um, a bunch of games for like a week or two. And I thought- Any myself, NES games, I presume, yeah. In, NES games, yeah. yeah. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, this is a <laughs> job? There's a, there's a thing here like this? And, uh, and it, made, it made it my mission in life to say, okay, look, that's it, that's it. I get to basically test video games all day. It's, it is work, right? You're not really playing. You're supposed to be, you know, looking for issues. but and once I discovered that's a job, I I set my absolute goal on that and then never wavered. And, and they were uh, they were letting you. So you were you were literally allowed. You were, you know, you would go in for a, a shift of yeah. the the phone counseling, and they would let you walk out of that and go do this for a, a portion of that time. It wasn't. No, they like, did, no, I was in the training. I was in the training group, so they basically delayed my training by by a few weeks or something like that, so I could go and support the um, game evaluation team. So. Uh, and that's where I met um, uh, a guy named Michael Kelbaugh. He he is now the president of Retro Studios, but he was he was one of these testers at the time, and uh, and he he was a musician too. So he and I became good friends back then. We're still friends today. And uh, and then he's and he told me about the team and all the stuff they do over there. I'm like, oh man, I got to do that. And so the whole time I was on the phone, I think on maybe every four to six weeks, I would type up, literally type uh, a memo to uh, Rick McManus, who ran that team over uh, in the engineering group. And I still know Rick to this day. And uh, basically begging for a job, putting my best foot forward, saying, hey, I did this project over in the evaluation center. Very interested in the, this role as product tester. Um, if you could please let me know if there's any availability. All this stuff, basically begging like every six weeks. Until, you know, so, and it wasn't that many months, I guess, it went by. I guess it was, I started the begging, I think, in September, October. <laughs> And, and then that continued all the way through until I got the job. But I remember finally these positions didn't open up very often. And so we had sure. a job board. There wasn't like a BBS or a website. It was just, a card would go up 
uh, on this job board in the cafe in Cafe Mario. And I saw one pop up there said product tester. I said, yep, this is my shot. This I'm getting this job no matter what. Now, a couple key things happened here. Uh, one is that, uh, you know, of course, they had this all this backlog of, of memos I wrote to, to to the hiring manager. Second thing was, is I was playing uh, uh, Maniac Mansion. Oh, great uh, game. And um, and it was on a and um, and I and I love that game. Um, and I put the hamster in the microwave, and um, just to see what happened, and it exploded. And I knew that 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 was against the Nintendo policy. I never had blood in the games back then like that, you know, especially not an animal that you can. Yeah, they, they, they censored the hell out of that game. It'd be tough to get everything out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So I went and told my friend Michael Kelbaugh in the testing department. I said, I said, dude. I just blew up a hamster in a microwave and he's like, Oh my God, really? And so that, <laughs> that became a whole thing. And they had to basically, I don't know if they had to landfill um, all those cartridges that had been sold or whatever, but it caused a, a huge, a huge, uh, a huge situation actually. And so, you know, I think that endeared me with them a little bit or something. Um, sure, and it sure. actually got to mention much to my surprise. There was a book that came out a long time ago called game over. It yeah. was about the, the video game industry. There's a mention of this situation, and uh, my claim to fame apparently will be that they say, "Well, someone found that if you put it in the microwave, it blows up." Well, that someone was me. So until this episode drops, until this episode drops. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, my next uh, late night talk show uh, engagement as a result. Yeah, of that. I. I interviewed the first, you know, I haven't done a ton of interviews for this. I've done interviews for other things, but the the only other interview I've done for the podcast here was Blake J. Harris, who wrote Console Wars. And Game Over is actually the book that he most cites inspiring him to write that. So that's that's a seminal. I actually, I haven't read it. I just dropped it into my Goodreads the other day uh, by happenstance. But yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. I hear it's a good book. Cool. Okay. Uh, so... What, what was the timestamp on starting? And then, so it was September of 91 when you made this transition. How long did you spend between that starting, starting the training on the gameplay counselor stuff? What, when was that, would you say? Just to give me a oh, timeline the, here. Oh, yeah, that was September of 89. September of 89. Yeah, through like October of 89. I think that encompassed the training and my short stint as a, uh, a product evaluator. Okay, so you had two years in the, in the, yeah, on the phones, roughly two years. Okay, and then you moved over to that product testing uh, department. And how long did you spend there? And what was the rest of the timeline of Nintendo work wise? Yeah, well, yeah, well, it was it was that ninety two until like um, I want to say it's February of ninety seven um, when I left Nintendo. Now, a couple things happened. One, I almost left once to go work at an independent studio that one of my co-workers had started but the director of the department don james who i appreciated this he said he said caesar i know you're interested in this new opportunity but let me just just want to give you some advice you know like fatherly advice to me at the time <laughs> i think you should stay here is it a better place for you it's more secure you know um and it's, and it's a good job i just want to give you that perspective and i heeded his advice and i stayed and it ended up being the right thing for me because it wouldn't have ended up being a long-term situation had i left unfortunately but so I stayed there, but it was there until 97 when, uh, again, one of my, I started wondering around that time because, I mean, there's still people, and, it, and it's great. It's a wonderful company and a great place to work. I, some of my friends I worked with back then are still there right now, you know, and still work there. And it's, and it's great. You know, they have a great job. You know, it's, they treat people well. Again, it's, it's, it's a good place to work. But I was always wondering, hey, is there anything more that I can do as a career, you know, in games? You know, is there, is there, is this it or is there more? So. You know, had some great experiences at Nintendo, going to trade shows and, you know, working on, you know, tech demos and all the rest. And it was super fun. But one of my coworkers, and actually he was my boss, I think, at the time, uh, his name's Sean O'Connor. Um, I'm just I guess one of my best friends. He was one. He, I remember his name. He was one of the counselors, too, right? Uh, I, I think I remember there's, that name. There's a Dean, Dean O'Connor was one yeah. of the counselors. And I think that he was the guy that actually did, like... Uh, um, uh, Legacy of the Wizard, if I recall correctly, interestingly, okay. but okay. I think that was Dean O'Connor. So Sean okay. O'Connor was—I don't think he would—he worked. He never worked in, in the, on the call center, but he—he um, he was the supervisor there. But he got a job as the uh, test manager at Electronic Arts Seattle, which was kind of a short, semi-short-lived studio. It was there from '97 to 2002, I think. 
and they did uh, Need for Speed PC and FIFA for PlayStation, it w- which is what they what their sort of role was within Electronic Arts. He was looking for a test lead to grow a test department. And I thought, okay, well, this is my step up to go work at an actual game developer, go be a test lead. So I went there and, you know, um, interviewed with like just a couple people and got the job. And then I resigned from Nintendo and I went to Electronic Arts. And that was in, I think, February of 97. Cool, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's you know, the, I don't know, I've, I've, Certainly read plenty of other interviews with the counselors and stuff. It's just amazing. It's it seems like it was such, and it makes sense. I mean, young kids into that like, not fledgling, but uh, early stage development industry. You know, dropping kids into that and giving them opportunities just because they're there on site and and have the opportunity. Like you say, you even understand it was a job, and you're like, oh, holy shit, yes, I will do that every day if I can. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like those opportunities being available to such uh, young video game heads, essentially, uh, it, it makes total sense that it was such an incubator of 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 you know, industry talent, but it's, it's wild how, how many people came out of that, um, out of that hive seemingly. So that's, yeah, it's very cool. Absolutely. Very, very you cool. know, one of my friends, uh, Jake Kazdal, he started 17 bit games and moved to Japan, uh, you know, which is awesome. And just so many other people, like I said, Michael Kelba, who runs retro now and, you know, just a ton of other people, my good friend, Sean O'Connor, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it was a definite incubator, but, you know, honestly, I think back to that time, uh, especially being a counselor, you know, we had our GPC jackets and I wish I still had mine. I don't know what happened to it. One of my moves, <laughs> it's somewhere, but um, that's that's something that pains me to this day. But, you know, we were a pretty tight knit crew. You know, there was different sort of like gangs, I guess, within the, within the <laughs> sure. you know, just people into different things. Uh, but, you know, we would like things like we'd go to get go to Pizza Hut like every, I think, Tuesday, you know, you know, and we'd go there and take over the Pizza Hut and hang out and eat pizza and stuff. It was, I don't know. There's some fun social things. You know, we had uh, uh, the football game, I think it was called uh, NFL Play Action Football. NES. Was, it, NES Play Action Football. Not Caesar, NES. I am not kidding you. That's the next game episode we're doing. That game right now is on my TV. I paused the start of a playoff run in it. To do to jump what? on here and do this with you, yes. <laughs> oh man, I love that game. And, I do too. It's such a good simulation effort for that oh. era, like that. It's you know, I love I love Tecmo Bowl is obviously incredible, super and the original, and they're more fun from an arcade perspective. But the simulation effort and like the two player co op stuff for NES yeah. play action, so good, just so I, so good. I love yeah. that. I mean, I like yeah. I like Tecmo, and that was fun for a super arcadey situation. That was great, but I I was definitely a play action football guy. Yeah, and we we used to do tournaments in the call oh. in the call center. We'd, one time they went and rented like a like a motel room off site so we could go have a giant playoff party together Amazing. you yeah. know in like a hotel suite four player action so good yeah yep. so 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 good and it's not you know it's uh, again i just all too inundated with you know <laughs> these magazines and these games and stuff so i've read consumed too much information but like the actual reception to it because it is like this slower simulation thing a lot of kids like even my little brother you know i loved it <laughs> My uncle, who is a little bit younger than my dad, so he was kind of more of just like an older brother to me. Uh, he and I used to play it all the time when I was younger. But even my little brother, who was right there next to me for a lot of this, like never really got into it. You know, and we were talking about this. He's on the podcast occasionally, too, when we do RPGs. And, you know, he I was sending him stuff because he's actually an Oilers fan and Houston's one of the eight teams they have on here. So I was just sending him stuff and he was he had no experience with it all. He was like literally Googling playthrough videos and stuff. And he's like, it oh, looks wow. so it looks so slow and clunky. I'm like, yes, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It sure was. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic <laughs> game. Okay, well, let's let's turn back the clock a little bit and get back to the gameplay counselor stuff for a sec. I have some kind of just some random stuff I wanted to go through here. Uh, so the 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 you know they have these monthly profilings uh, of four counselors in the magazine, and I presume that was a rather sought after and desired thing to have bestowed upon you. So can you yeah. talk to me about the selection process for that? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, how do you oh, come man. to be selected? Was there politicking for it? Uh, you know, how does that go down? And how did it go down for you specifically? Well, I was blissfully unaware of the politics. I, I didn't really understand that at the time. So all I know is I really wanted to be an Nintendo power. <laughs> That, um, and it was something like, how, how do I get in it? You know, 
and you know, I think I maybe asked around a little bit and saying, "Ah, I'd really love to love to get in there." Of course, you know, time goes slower back then. So the amount of time it was since I started training until it's in the magazine, it felt like it was maybe compared to today, it felt like four years or something like that. <laughs> you know, and so and then so um, I don't. I think it was a memo um, that that was put on my desk, or somebody told me. I can't remember. But they told me I was going to be in that issue. And it happened to be the yeah. Mega Man 3. And I love that game. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, my God. So you so knew I, that in advance. You knew kind of what, what the issue was going to be about. And that was the one you were going to be in? Uh, I, I believe so. I knew I yeah. had some sense that it was going to be in the Mega Man 3 issue. Okay. I believe. I mean, memory's weird. But I do think that was sure, the sure. case. Um, so I immediately went. You know, Of course, I was making – by the way, of course, 19 – 90 wages i think that the pay was like six dollars an hour or something seven dollars an hour or something like that totally fair trade totally fair trade for what you were doing (laughs) so so, you know uh, but i did take some of my uh hard-earned money that wasn't spent on uh guitar strings and went to banana republic and got myself a new shirt okay yes this is yes this was my next thing yeah it got my mullet just perfect yes and, yes uh, yes and, <laughs> and, and uh and they brought us to a photo maybe had questions but then you know they brought us to a photo studio near, near the near near the office and, and did they do all four of you at once like that was like a group thing did you know who you were going to be with i suppose i guess was really uh, what i'm asking there i i don't know that i knew who i was going to be with other than maybe if they told me you know just in passing but i remember just going to the shoot and i really don't I do think that we were there together. I'm pretty sure we walked over together. Okay. But I, again, I'm not 100% sure. But that's my latent memory telling me that we did walk over together. Okay, okay cool. Okay, so yeah, so you know, you do the pictures, obviously. Uh, but then we have these profiles where you get to, you know, the, the oh, dossier. Yeah. So talk to me about how is how did they collect that stuff? And what went into... Was it kind of a group communal thing that you'd filled out together, or was this mm. something you had you were given, oh. you had time to think on and kind of do on, on your own? On okay. Yeah, we did. I, I did. I did mine on my own, and and honestly, that mine absolutely reflects exactly where what I was into at the time. You know? <laughs> uh, and there's no doubt about it. I just learned about Australian rules football, and my buddy I was making music with at the time. We would just watch that. You know, I mean. And then there's, there, you know, we, we tried to play it, you know, and stuff like that. So it, it was, uh, yeah, that's a very important distinction that, that, you know, and like we micro analyze these things, dude, you know, just for comedic effect right. and, and, and to do a show. So, you know, uh, yours again, the, why, why it kind of hit so hard when we, you know, we, this is the episode just came out too. So you can listen to, uh, you know, if you want to go back and listen to <laughs> this episode, just for uh, the, that section for your own amusement, yeah. uh, you're, you're welcome to, of course, but you know, it was, it was very funny to me that music is listed because you know again if we just look at a million of these so uh, you can kind of get tonality and stuff and differences in them but music is listed in this ambiguous sense that could that implies it could be the consumption of it the playing of it the appreciation of it whereas australian rules football is very specifically listed as playing it like i don't just watch this shit i play this very difficult (laughs) and manly game if you call getting together with a couple of my a uh, couple of my friends and trying to simulate playing it you know, <laughs> yeah so it was not professionally i guess let's just clear that no. up here on the pod now <laughs> no it was just okay. it seemed like such a such a wild thing and i mean funny enough i actually got to meet some australian rules football players on a business trip i took about i don't know 10 15 years ago from microsoft i, I bartended and, with one in new york he was a monster yeah, <laughs> totally, right yeah, yeah. This, they're not normal. Not yeah. normal. Yeah, but both both mentally and physically, he was a monster. Like, <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it was. I would call it like a, you know, I, I loved it. I wanted to, thought it would be the great thing to do, and, and tried to simulate it as best I could. So th- that's the answer. Okay, so yeah, so so you got to take it and kind of do it on your own, and this was just like a they gave you a slip of paper and you just you turned it in, or or how yep. did that? Okay, yeah, that's it. I think I think I had a form. It's like a form I filled out. Was, again, we had no computer, no okay. email. You know, okay. just, I didn't have the internet at home, etc. Sure, sure, we we uh, we speculated. Jay and I, the, my co-host, uh, we speculated that perhaps because the one of the other the other actual 
Uh, I'll give you some uh, additional background here. Yes, you mentioned the mullet. That's uh, a, a funny thing we have begun oh. <laughs> with the podcast and going through these is because there is this like why, and I understand it was of the times, you know, uh, I was certainly alive then too, a little younger perhaps. I didn't have my own, but I probably would have maybe if I would have had more control over my own look at the time. Uh, but yeah, there's, yeah. There's, so, there's such prominent things with the counselors. So many of them have them that we came up with the idea of doing this mullet counselor championship playoffs thing. So we, oh. we, we took this, we made a bracket out of all the, the, uh, the mullet counselors from the first issue through, <laughs> I, think, I think, I think our first one went through like issue 16 and we're working on the next one we'll do once we have enough to populate a full bracket again. But yeah, we did a full like week by week breakdown of this. I can send you uh, the, the oh image my stuff. God. Uh, just just for hilarity, but yeah. So we we the mullet thing is a big thing for us. We we have a ton of fun with these, and that uh, also was why we singled you out specifically. Uh, or not? I was so again, you and and, and whoever the other one was uh, in in that issue twenty. But my point Josh, here, Josh I mean, Shepard. Okay, yes. So we were we were talking about how again going back to that questionnaire, we were talking about how he had Mega Man 2 listed as, as his favorite game. Right. And we, yeah, we speculated that because yours, your your profile was was done with such like, you know, hit so hard that perhaps these were done as a group and you chose Mega Man 3 as a one-up on his. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as oh, like Mega Man 3 was so new, like someone oh, chooses Mega Man 2 and it's like, I am on the cutting edge. I like right. Mega Man three it's barely even out and that's my favorite game <laughs> oh no I, I i'd love to say it was like that it was like these questions it's like oh yeah well, these questions are easy this, this, this is it you know i, I knew exactly what i was gonna put down there's no consultation okay <laughs> that's great that's great yep okay so moving a, a little bit further down on that so have you ever played guitar with the power glove <laughs> Uh, no, I can honestly say I have no, not okay. played the guitar at the Power Glove. Okay. Um, well, first, actually, let me since we're since we're the, just to keep things in line with how we do things on the podcast, we don't talk about the Power Glove on the podcast. I had one. We think it's a travesty. We think Mattel's marketing efforts with it were kind of grotesque and and just nonstop at the time. So we don't talk yeah. about the Power Glove. We call it the Schmauer Dove. So let's please refer mm-hmm. to it as such moving forward. Schmauer Dove. Schmauer Dove. Just so we don't Schmauer give. Dove. Yeah, don't recognize it as as even a thing on this podcast. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. the Schmauer Dove. Okay, so did you have one then? Did, are, are you you're clearly talking about it here? Did you have your own, or was that an office tool that you had? Uh, it was. I it was a it was an office. Yeah, it was. I don't think I didn't have one. No, that's right. I didn't have one myself. Okay. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty dumb, honestly, because. <laughs> The original intent of it, by the way, was far more robust than it was, but they had to Dumb scale down, back sure. its, right. yeah, tone it way down to really basic uh, motion. So we, so we had we had one at work. I think I checked it out from. I think that's how I recall it. At least I checked checked it out so I could use it and goof around with it. Okay. All right. So, so that was that the general office perception of it? Would you say amongst the counselors that it was uh, yeah. un, not I, particularly? Yeah. Not useful. No. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not useful. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the the, the you, you know you have listed here that your greatest accomplishment is did it even occur or was it just boastful fish stories that you beat well, Contra in 15 minutes with one life with the with the the power glove and did you actually use the hand motions or did you just type it on your hand on your arm with the controller on the <laughs> yeah you know this came up on a. On a like a, on a Reddit or on a on a Facebook group, and I started getting like like dozens and dozens of messages uh, <laughs> from, from from people because it came up, you know, people talking about me in my in the in the contra thing, you know, and you know I, I left it pretty ambiguous just because it was just fun, but ultimately <laughs> you know you can leave it to your imagination, but you know there is a controller on the power glove itself, right. you know, and I and I don't recall if the one I had borrowed was modified or not, but I, I've been effectively you know there there's a bit of a a hack there. So, um, but I did. So I'll be honest. I mean, this is absolute truth is my goal every day was to speed run Contra. I mean, I, I, I loved playing it. It was like a meditation to me and I <laughs> didn't even have to think about it. So I would beat it every single day and it was easily, with a, easily at 15 minutes or less. 
that's a yeah, it's a fantastic game. So when you say using the controller on the arm, one yeah. hand with it actually mounted on the on your arm, or did you literally take it off and hold it like a controller, a normal controller? Yeah, I. I'll, I'll say it was, it was far, far more like the latter. <laughs> okay, so, okay, okay. Yeah, and again, I can't remember if it was modified or, or what it was because I had a friend there that, that modded things all the time. But yeah, I, I wanted to be able to say I used the power glove in a way. So that's that's, that's the, so like I said, it, that's the, a the, true story. The, pro, the, the profiling would not have hit it hit as hard without that anecdote. So I'm glad you, you, you went that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Okay, so yes, because molds are such a big thing, let's talk about yours. How long had you had it? What was the inspiration oh. for the decision? And how much longer would you rock with it beyond January of 91? Oh, this, this is getting in some interesting territory here. So <laughs> what, what, what you're seeing in that picture was really the baby mullet. That was like the early days of the mullet. <laughs> you know, I just started really, you know, letting it go. You know, I always kind of had 80s hair, but it was far more like, like Richard Marks or, or actually, you know, like Don Johnson in Miami Vice was kind of my vibe back then, you know? That's uh, so, that's so good that you were comparing it to well-known entertainment personnel's mullet. Cause we will do that when we go through these. One of the things I am sure to do is come up with a comp, a real world comp right. for their right. mullets. So yes, the other guys, we called that a MacGyver mullet and I called yours, yes. I called yours a 21 jump street Two episode arc guest star mullet. <laughs> yes, you got it. I love that. that brings me a lot of joy, man. Um, well, so I called it my, my transitory in between mullet because honestly, the, the the mullet I was going for, you know, as a musician, you know, lifelong musician, again, still doing it today, still making and releasing music, was John Taylor, the bassist of Duran Duran, and kind of like the '85 era. He had a just killer mullet, and I, I kind of thought that's the mullet for me. Is <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so yeah. like, so like, it's like the "A View to a Kill" video that they did, Duran Duran for the James Bond movie. Yeah, that was the that that was kind of the vibe I was going for, okay. uh, and eventually got there. Eventually got to about. Um, I mean, I could to answer your question. You know, I, I I kept that mullet. I think until, you know, and and by the way, it's fully evolved <laughs> um you know by the time by the time like the early 90s showed up so i think it finally i finally parted company with it probably a little late in like 1993 okay um is when i finally uh said goodbye to the mullet and went and got a, just a proper super short almost military looking haircut to which everybody on the row of the software testers i was working with all they wanted to do is it was weird. They all walk up behind me and said, I want to feel the back of your head. Cause it was <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some people walked by and they would, they would rub the back of my head. I'm like, Oh my God. That's, that's a, that's a solid tenure. So you say you were just starting it around the time you would have taken the pictures for this. So about three years, yeah. maybe about a three year about, tenure. Yeah. About, about a three year tenure. Yeah. Word. Amazing. 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 Oh, well that was fun. <laughs> yeah. I got some awesome, uh, uh, I could share with you separately or something some videos and pictures to show you exactly to what extent. Yes, no, by all means, get, we, give me an evolution. Give me a, an evolution flowchart. <laughs> uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to to, to graphic up anything uh, and 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 share it with the this, this the release of this. The the we call them the Lord. We call our listeners the Lord disciples. Uh, we are yes. you know as the name suggests, uh, RPGs and uh, Dragon Warrior are big in our oh. formative years um, as far as oh, gaming yeah. go. Dragon so, Warrior. That that honestly is real quick. Dragon Warrior. Oh, so good. I played the most of when after I broke my wrist is I just freaking played the heck out of Dragon oh, Warrior. Me too, man. That so we do, you know, we like I told I kind of explained the way we do the, the podcast. It's this the way you know we, we we take we go through an issue, like one episode is an issue on a certain or of a certain or, or sorry, uh, an episode on a certain issue of one of the magazines, and then at the end of that episode, we pick a game that's in that magazine and do a standalone game episode on that game. And then we, you know, 
do that episode, then move back to the next issue in our magazine timeline. But we also do these kind of side shoots that we call side quests, where we just because the the RPGs are you know they're they're, they're way too long form to do in one episode. It's insane. We actually tried to do one the original Fantasy Star when we first started the podcast. We tried to do the original Fantasy Star in two weeks. <laughs> it was the it was the worst oh, wow. two weeks of my life trying to trying to finish that game uh, in two weeks. So yeah, so we do these other series where we do multiple episode arcs of on just the RPG. An individual RPG. The first one we ever did was Dragon Warrior of these. It was like five episodes, I think. So, mm. you know, we go to again just so minutia focused, and we talk about every line of dialogue and every plot point and everything in the games in such detail, and it is so much fun. There, it's easily the best part of our podcast. I wish, uh, almost kind of wish that's all we did <laughs> in hindsight, because <laughs> uh, I think it's I, I think they're far better received and far more interesting, maybe mm. um, than the our, our kind of standard issues. Not that those aren't enjoyed too, but I, the side quests are just so much fun because there's so much more to chew on in those games for obvious reasons. Totally. You know. You know. Totally. So yeah, so we really, really love those games. Yeah, we've done the first Dragon Warrior. We just we the last one we did was was Dragon Warrior two. We've done Final Fantasy. We do we did Ultima Exodus that the first oh, Ultima yeah, on yeah. NES, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. what one of the guys Jay quit the podcast during that. It was so bad for him. He quit oh. after like episode three. <laughs> he couldn't take oh. Ultima anymore. <laughs> and it is it's a rough. It's definitely a rough one. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Still fun to do for sure, and yeah, we actually just started Fancy Star Two for the Genesis. Uh, as we're we're waiting to record the first episode of that, Uh, we're working on it right now. So yeah, we the RPG stuff we just absolutely love. But yes, the point of that being that's such a big part of our of our kind of just uh, our our genetics. This podcast genetics that we we call the listeners the Loric Disciples, and the Loric Disciples uh, uh, really enjoy that stuff for sure. (laughs) I'm sure you played the original NES Final Fantasy. Yes, that was yeah. I said we did that for one of our side quests too. Oh, right, yeah, right, right, right. yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. My little brother, my little brother has a black mage tattoo. That's how much he likes Final Fantasy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry to yeah. catch up. You said the first time, but you yeah. know, I got to tell you, man. There's another thing that would happen inside the call center that there was this. There's this group of people called the GC6, okay. and the GC6 were six gameplay counselors that were chosen to do evaluations on to-be-released games. And so you did, they, the games would come in a cartridge where it was exposed, that the circuit board was exposed, and the EEPROM chips would be, you know, you'd be visible because they would swap out the EEPROM chips for different games that they would burn in the back, which was one of my side projects at one point in my career. Anyways, I got to borrow one of those um, eprom Final Fantasy cartridges before it came out, but it was, and I wanted to play it so bad, but then I put it in my system and it was in Japanese. It had been translated. That's tough. So, and so I wanted to play it so bad. I'm sure I wasn't the only person who did this, but I beat the game in Japanese without really understanding it. I had to figure out like, kind of, you know, figure out what the characters, what happens if I do this? And then I could kind of recognize the characters know like this meant this or that or the other thing. That's incredible. And uh, and that was, de- yeah, definitely that an extra layer of difficulty. For sure. For sure. Dedication <laughs> or insanity. I don't know. It's one of those two things. <laughs> yeah. uh, they often go hand in hand. Yeah, that's that's great, man. If you could have smuggled one of those out of there, you could be a millionaire right now. <laughs> right. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Okay, no, were there no. any other game magazines that you did that continue beyond Nintendo? Once you moved out of there, moved to EA in particular, I'm sure you uh, clearly took an appreciation for other systems and stuff. What? Yeah. Did, were there any other game mags that you were really into? Again, this is just the focus of the pod, so I'm. Yeah, no, I think it was EGM, Electronic Game Monthly. Okay. I, that, that was, I think that was the main one uh, that I that, that I that I read. Okay, word, word. We just did. So we do, you know, we're, I mentioned we're, we're focusing on Nintendo Power, Sega Visions, and GamePro um, primarily. But every now and again, we'll we'll just do a random magazine. Um, we've done, like, there was this one called uh, Game Players something or other. Game Players, it's like a really long title, Game Players Strategy something or other. I had when I was a kid, we did one of those. We actually did the first EGM just recently. Uh, so we... Um, oh. Yeah, we're, we're considering, so it's a thing, again, just all too off the deep end on this stuff, but GamePro is eventually uh, absorbed, 
or sorry, Sega Visions is eventually absorbed into the parent company that did GamePro. And we didn't realize this when we started it and selected GamePro as like our third party independent perspective between the two proprietary mags. You know, the idea was we do a Nintendo, a Sega proprietary, and then a, a third party magazine to kind of give an independent view of these games. So GamePro, the company that makes them, eventually takes over Sega Visions in like 92, mm. I think. And we didn't realize that. And we have we think that's a conflict of interest. <laughs> so right. once, we, once we get there in the timeline, we're going to have to switch what our third-party magazine is because we think it'll be slanted oh. towards Sega, you know? Yeah, so EGM, sure. yeah, EGM is probably what we're going to go with. That was actually, again, my co-host's favorite magazine too mm. growing up. So we're thinking EG, EGM will eventually be a big part of the podcast. So yeah, we, we agree. EGM's a, a great mag. Yeah. I never really, I didn't really have any access to it as a kid so i wasn't familiar but that first issue issue there's a lot of cool things about it the way they rate the games is cool that kind of like target uh graphic they do of like a hit or a miss or a near yeah. miss or whatever was was a cool way to do it instead of just like a totally numerical thing like nintendo and yeah. sega are doing or game pro are doing yeah, yeah so, but yeah. you're refreshing some memories that i didn't know i had i can totally see what you're talking about in my mind right now oh, that's man. awesome dude i don't know if i mean i'm sure Again, you work there, so I, I'm sure some of this stuff crosses your, uh, into, at least into your periphery, if not right in front of you. But, you know, you can get yeah. all those magazines on archive.org. And if you haven't done it, uh, you know, go to archive.org and download yeah. some of these old – you get them in full – you can get them uh, in the CBR format, which are like yeah. high high resolution scans of these magazines. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what we do every time we do one of these episodes is go through page, page by page of these magazines, and it is just so good. <laughs> it's such that a good – does sound awesome, man. Yeah, yeah such a good nostalgia that. dive, dude. I cannot cannot yeah. recommend it enough if you have an affinity uh, for that era of 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 gaming. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm still in games today, so I, yeah. I've, I've, okay. Yes. So my next my next question is, you know, you went over to EA, so I'm thinking this is very possible. Once the 16-bit era dawned, which is really, you know, the the like the core of what we're doing, like our log line for the pod is. You know, we're analyzing the formative years of console gaming through the prism of these magazines. And like the 16-bit era, that console war is really the like the the thing that we want to really dive into, which is why uh, I interviewed Blake, who wrote that book on you know the subject, mm. basically kind of the one of the more uh, seminal um, analyses of it, I think, uh, to <laughs> date. Uh, he did a great job with that book. So, you know, the 16-bit era is really when the shit hit the fan is kind of what I'm getting at here. <laughs> and I personally, yeah, yeah. I was the NES kid for sure, but when the Genesis hit, I went to the dark side and I went Genesis. Did you? jump ship uh, and, and go Genesis, or did you stay no, with the SNES? No. I, I stayed with the SNES and Super Nintendo okay. and um, there was It was so ingrained in us, even in the call center. I remember these sort of, I guess, they're paper sort of memes or whatever. Uh, at the time, I don't know what you call it, but these hand up. People would print out these papers. And it, at the time, Genesis would say, uh, Genesis does what Nintendo right, don't. Right, you know? right, right. So we had, we had one internally that was, uh, Nintendo is what Genesis isn't. Okay, very clever. Very <laughs> clever, very clever. Yeah. Yes, I've never heard that. Even uh Blake would love to hear that actually. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it wasn't an actual thing that Nintendo did. It was just oh, of course. internally yes. somebody no. internally did it, but yeah. But yeah, I never jumped to the Genesis. I had friends who had it and there were some games on there. I'm trying to remember which ones they were, probably a couple of the launch titles that that looked pretty cool, but I never made the switch to Genesis. Okay, okay. And you still play today. So what what are you gaming on these days? This is uh, literally oh, the last man. question I have on here. Okay, well, I mean, right now, you know, I have a 14-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter. And so I now, my, my gaming has kind of shifted to what, what they're playing. So interestingly, my, my son loves StarCraft II. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, loves, and they still sometimes play, uh, you know, uh, Minecraft. And there's a new air combat game that's pretty cool. Not really a sim, but it's called War Thunder. So we okay. play that sometimes. On what um, system? On, on PC, on PC, PC. And, and we have no, we have an no, Xbox. no console. Oh, you have an Xbox, okay? Oh yeah, I have an Xbox. Yeah, uh, yeah I have an Xbox Series X. Yeah. And I right now I I play a lot of flight sim actually. Okay. I love I love flying. We play flight sim and the new bat the uh, the new Batman game. Uh, um, love racing games. I play a bit of Forza. Um, okay. Just stuff like that. Just a bit of bit bit of this and that. My my co-host works for Microsoft. He works for the Xbox division. So he, uh, oh. yeah, he is a very, um, you know, he's 
high, he's one of the high up finance guys there. So he, he gets a lot of stuff and he brings a lot of interesting perspective, uh, on the Xbox, uh, releases. So he's always talking about this. I personally, I have kind of given up on flat screen caveman gaming as I call it, because I have a quest (laughs) and all I play is VR stuff. And I, oh dude, I cannot, if you don't have one, oh my God, get one. It is, it's just on another level. I worked on that. I worked at Meta for five years. Did you? Uh, uh-huh. So work doing what specifically? Um, uh, um, research uh, for as a technical program manager in the research group for AR and VR uh, products. Oh, so amazing. you know, so Dude. so see, like that, like all the new screens that are coming out on on these devices are, are the things that the team I worked with, the scientists I worked with devised and partnered with the product teams to bring the oh, product well fantastic thank you so, yeah, so, th- no, thank you so much hard. caesar because it's it's changed <laughs> my life and it's i cannot i am just so into it i can't even begin to describe i it's love so good right it's, it's so just good. it's just I, I i just cannot believe it exists in my lifetime <laughs> I, I, just cannot, I cannot yeah i'm playing the shit out asgard's wrath i got the three uh of course so uh you got the you know the launch title essentially i guess they're they're considering it that came with it asgard's wrath too and it's oh my god it is so good it is so i cannot stop playing it <laughs> I, I had to give mine back because they, they gave them they gave they, i had one i checked out from there uh and i left there um to pursue a new opportunity in games that was really exciting to me um uh, in 2022 so i I, have, I haven't repurchased it yet so i do need to get one back in my house as soon as possible it's so good it's so good it's i uh, jay that's that's one of our fun just giving each other shit things for the pod you know like yeah. this time. he's so pro company uh xbox and flat screen gaming and stuff which i cannot believe microsoft doesn't have a, a headset by the way but that's a whole another discussion of course um well, at least try. at least released i'm sure they're working on it but they they, yeah. they haven't released one yet so you know that's we're we're constantly arguing and he has like you know i don't have any kids he has like uh, 15 of them so it, <laughs> there, there's like this kind of this uh just lifestyle impediment that prevents him he has a quest yeah. and we game on it sometimes together but there's like this kind of somewhat it, it kind of walls you off from your the, the world around you of course so he has yeah. a harder time really engaging it so he still and, and being working for the company he plays a ton of xbox so we're mm-hmm. constantly warring about that dynamic of how I'm like, I can't even like, you can't even, I can't even do it. Like I, I, I like the idea of playing a game on a flat screen on the other side of the room. Like I can't even wrap my mind around wanting to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's, it's, it's definitely it's so immersive and cool. And in oh, your part, so in your, and in, in your, uh, in, in your, in your friend, your partner there is um, uh, probably works with so many people that I'm still good friends with today working in that division. Cause yeah, I worked there for, um, Gosh, uh, eleven years. Okay. So, yeah. At Microsoft, you mean? Yeah, at Xbox. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So that was yeah. that was the thing I did after uh, after EA. Um, okay. I went to I went to Microsoft as an audio yeah, director there, and then then I moved into as a producer in, in games publishing and, okay. and worked on some cool stuff with those teams. I know that's not what this talk is about, but yeah, but it's, it's a it's a fun overlap. I'm sure that we uh, probably have a lot of shared friends there. Probably yeah, he lives up in Seattle. He's up he's up in your neck of the woods. So Yeah, yeah. That's uh-huh. great. Uh he's in Bellevue specifically. Yep. Very cool, dude. That's a, a hell of a of a life uh in gaming you've <laughs> had, man. Congratulations on that. <laughs> it's interesting, man. It's it's crazy to think about, you know. It's like uh you know, uh, at the time you don't realize it's special, but you know, but but it kind of felt like it might be and then, you know, it was proven to be special, those golden days at Nintendo and the for sure, such for a sure. unique time. Uh, incredible, incredible, man. Um, well, cool. You know, I don't have any more questions on my stupid little list here and I obviously don't (laughs) want to, I don't want to monopolize your whole morning. I'm sure you have life to deal with. Maybe do you want to, since you're on here and you're still uh, pumping it out, do you want to talk about your music a little and tell, uh, tell me, tell me what what you're, what you're doing and what you like to do? Well, you know, I, I can't escape my eighties roots and I've done a lot of projects over the years. And so if anybody sees my name, you know, if you look under my name and music, you'll see all my projects. But I'll tell you what's currently going on is when the pandemic hit and I was at home and didn't have any distractions, I really got back into my roots of, you know, playing guitar and synthesizers and writing songs. So that basically evolved into the project I'm working on now. And I've written and released, I think over forty like pop tracks and instrumentals since the year 2000 now <laughs> and two okay. albums so if you if you have any any links you want me to drop in the show notes uh please do email them over and and i'll include yeah. those when, when i when yeah, i the, 
Yeah, I'll send them right over. Yeah, it's called the Wandering Now because you know what is now? We wander around a bit, so the Wandering Now, and uh, and we're we're cranking out new music all the time. So yeah, happy to share that with you. Awesome, man. Very cool. Very cool. Have you done any? Uh, just being around it and having an inclination towards music in the first place, uh, has have there been any opportunities to w- merge the two at all? Your day job and music, uh, <laughs> not in the not place directly. You've no? I guess just just uh, um, no. So I haven't made music uh, for games. Um, I've done some between job between EA and Microsoft. I, I worked with another friend of mine from EA that. Uh, doing sound design for games, just kind of as a as a really fun awesome uh, project to work on with him. So, uh, you know, uh, th- that that was great. But yeah, not directly. Okay, copy that. Okay, cool, man. Well, you know, thank you again so much, dude. This was fantastic. And yes, I really, really want to see that that binder. So let's talk <laughs> about how let's talk about how to get that in some sort of digital format, uh, formatting of some kind. So uh, if 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 at minimum I can see it, but I bet other people would love to see it too. So oh, that's um, cool. yeah, let's let's absolutely talk about how to do that. Um, and yeah, man, thanks so much. And uh, I'll of course let you know when the. Uh, I have the episode together here and share it with you so you can uh, uh, check it out, share it, revisit uh, this uh, fantastic time traveling we've done here. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. I, it's really fun to talk about. I don't really have a chance to talk about it too much. And so it's, I appreciate your questions. It's been really, really fun. Cool, dude. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, dude. And, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.